Hello everybody, welcome to the Schedulers Podcast. This is a true horror podcast by someone who is afraid of true horror, because I'm a little big chicken baby, that's me, James. Um, before we start today, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we're recording today. This is, was, and always will be Aboriginal land. Today I'm joined by the wonderful, amazing Mitchell. That's me. Hi. Hi. Ruby Jubilee. That's also waiting, me. That's I was also waiting me. for you to fill oh, you were go- oh, right. Okay. <laughs> That's Shit. okay. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. We were just chatting briefly a moment ago about, obviously, quarantine and all that shit. Because I don't know. I'm just, like, obviously sick of talking about it with people. But it's good to get somebody else's perspective. Listen, I'm just fucking over it. Same. Can it just go away? I agree. I'm done. I'm so... I, like... Okay. I... Mm. It's just so, mm, I just want to go out. <laughs> so do I. I miss, um, I miss going. I, I wasn't even like a club, much of like a, a club. Neither like, was I, really, I. But it's got to do with the community and the people. Absolutely. And, like, the vibe. Absolutely. I miss it so much. I can't deny how much I miss drag. Yeah. Like I, I love makeup. I love, I love all, all of the creative side behind it. But mm. at the forefront for me, I'm a performer. Mm. I love the stage. I love going into the clubs and performing for mm. people. It's my favourite thing. And even, like, just, like, getting ready with people. Oh, absolutely. Like, that's a big part of it too, and we can't do that right now. No. So it's, like, that part of the community is kind of, like, on pause. Yeah. And that part of, like, our art is on pause, which is, like, shit, because it's a really bonding thing. Mm-hmm. That's why when you watch shows like Drag Race, they put such emphasis on that scene yes. when you're getting ready and talking. Yes. Because, like, it's true. Like, we do chat and, like, open up about things. When Absolutely. We... But, yeah, um, enough of that deep shit. <coughs> um, <laughs> so you're studying makeup and hair? I surely am. Um, tell me everything about it. Like, I want to know what your favourite thing is. Ooh. Do you like glam makeup? Do you prefer to do... Okay, here's an example. Yeah. Let's just say your book to do... Like theatre makeup or bride makeup, which sure. one would you prefer to do? Um, a thousand percent theatre makeup because I don't want to deal with the stress and drama of a bride. I can imagine. Bridal no. makeup is the basis for every single makeup artist. Yeah. But it is the most boring and tedious job you will do because, I mean, look, it's understandable. People want perfect makeup on their wedding day. Yeah. That's yeah. period. But there's also so much stress on you as a makeup artist to deliver that and to help mm. them relive their dream. When it comes to theatre, most of the time, if you're not the head of the makeup department, you're given a face chart and mm. you just whack it onto somebody, yeah. but it's still a creative makeup mm. m- most of the time. Mm. So I would a thousand percent to do theatre makeup, yeah. but I'm also not ignorant in saying that you are more likely to do bridal. Well, you get makeup. more work. You'd get Absolutely. more work doing yeah. that. I guess, yeah. It's like... Same with um, drag, for example. It's like when you get booked to do like, would you rather do like a bingo gig or a performance? Exactly. It's like, well, you kind of got to do both. Even though I don't, I don't love doing like hosting and bingo stuff. Okay. I'll do it if someone asks me. Sure. Like, sure. But I would much rather do something like performance and like mm. more like artistic in that sense. Yeah, of course. But drag is like, for some people, it's just like it's a man in a dress. So let's go watch that. Absolutely. And then it's like, want to have fun with it. But um, have you watched... Glow Up on Netflix. Yes. That yes, show I have. literally like made me want to study makeup. Yeah. Like they're very creative on that. And what I love, I actually did an assessment on Val Garland, who's the oh, yeah, yeah. lady who's She's the host. Great. Absolutely insane. She, what she was ding, ding dong, ding, darling. Dong. <laughs> like, and my other favorite one, I think it was the drag episode, and she looks at the lady with the pink hair and she's judging, and she goes, she looks at the photo and she goes, 
Oh, oh, hell no. Like, I love that. It's like this distinguished makeup artist who is just looking at this photo going, what the hell have you done (laughs) in here on this day? Literally. Like, absolute insanity. Yeah. I just like the show, the winner, incredible. Yes. Ellis, Atlantis. Yes. Amazing. And just the whole vibe of the show. I think it gave a really good, like, perspective into what modern makeup artists yes, are. Yes, Because yeah. you have to be good at marketing yourself on social media. Yeah, a thousand percent. You've got to, like, know all the trends. And the yeah. fact that they did drag, which... Yeah. If you watch a makeup show and they don't talk about drag makeup, it's like, what's what, what are you doing? Well, and they said that on that episode. They yeah. said so much of makeup that we see today is inspired by drag. Oh, literally, like, Kim Kardashian. Is, yes. Like, her makeup artist was drag queen, I'm pretty sure. Oh, really? Um, I could be wrong. Slay. Let's hope. Um, That's but I'm great. pretty sure that they were at some point, or they learned from a drag queen or something. Oh, okay. Um, and so, like, the whole contouring, highlighting thing mm. came from that, and then she popularised it. And of then, course. And now, here we are. Yeah. In modern in the modern world. Now here we are drag queens copying Kim Kardashian. Can't believe it. Actually can't believe it. Um I also want to say happy Mother's Day to your mum because she's great. <gasps> oh, thank you. I, do you know, I actually did ask her before I came here. I was like, are you all right for me to go and film that? I <laughs> yeah. know that it's Mother's Day. And she was like, oh, my God, no, go, go, go. Oh, so God. God bless her. And because she, um, it's so important to mention that she literally is like your number one yeah. drag supporter. And yeah. also we had a drag competition here in um, in the city that we live in and your mum got into full drag yes. and performed alongside you. Yes. Um, and what was her name? Um, Emerald Jubilee. Like, incredible. <laughs> Honestly, incredible. Like, she's just, like, such a warm and gracious person. She is. She's yeah. so... The thing about my mother that I've always loved is she's such a glamorous, glamazonian woman. Mm. And I think if you were to look at her, you'd think that she'd be really shallow just from her appearance, which... Hi, Mom, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but she's so selfless mm. and she is so caring. Like... I have never met anybody who cares so much about other people and making sure that they're okay. Mm. And, you know, she's she's not from the queer world that yeah, we are, yeah. but she still understands the importance of things like family mm. and bonding and acceptance. And, you know, when I get to see the relationship that I have with her and then I see other people and how they struggle with their family, I wish I had some sort of superpower that I could give to them mm that they get to have what I have and Mm. it just sucks and it kills me that sometimes I can't give that to people. But my mother is incredible in that she would try to give that even if it's for a a little bit to everybody. Even I felt that. Like, I love my mum. I'm very close to my mum. But um, I do find I connect with... like middle-aged women. I don't know yeah. what it is. I always do. And she's just one of those people that you instantly connect with. Absolutely. Um, Is she a spiritual person at all? I think to a certain extent, I don't think she's probably a stereotypically spiritual person, but I definitely think that she has that sort of inkling to her, Mm. I guess would be a good way to put it. Are you? A a teeny bit. Okay. A teeny bit. So do you believe in ghosts, God, anything like that? I don't believe in God. (laughs) Ghosts. (laughs) Sorry, Christians. Um, (laughs) I don't... I don't know about ghosts. Maybe mm. more spirits mm. is my understanding of it. Like I would, I'd like to believe that when a family member passes away, they are still with you in the form yeah. of a spirit. But that could also be a crock of shit. You know, we don't I don't, know. I don't, I don't know. Knows. That's Absolutely the thing. Not. You know, like I identify my religious beliefs as being agnostic, yeah. which 
as I think it's described, is it's more of a scientific thing of there's no reasoning to prove that there is something or if there isn't something. That's pretty much what it is. Yeah, it's like, like we're never going to know. Think. It's like agnostic usually because um, that's similar to what I believe in. Too. Yeah. It's like you believe that there might be a higher power, but sure. obviously like with science and and going off history, it's hard. We, who, who would know? Yes. Nobody. And like um, my thing is that like every um, culture and every country has such a diverse range of like higher beings mm. and beliefs. So it's like, what makes our Western beliefs the superior? And like, exactly. what makes our beliefs yeah. real? Like, for all we know, we're all going to die and go to see a Nancy who's like an African god of spiders. Like, we don't know. Like, do you know what I mean? That's like, fierce. I wish. That's so fierce. <laughs> but, like, what makes Jesus and and that the most predominant religion? I just find it interesting. Of course. Um, have you ever had, because I obviously know I'm a big baby. Yeah. Like, I can't watch her movies at night time. Yeah. I can't watch them by myself. When I'm home alone, I get really spooked out sometimes because I'm scared of ghosts. Mm-hmm. I'm just a baby. Um, so, are you, like, how are you with scary stuff and horror and stuff? Well, I won't lie. When you asked me to come here to do this, I was thinking, why is he asking me to do this? <laughs> I don't actually think I've ever watched a horror movie from beginning <gasps> to end. Oh, my God, really? I think the scariest movie I've ever watched is Unfriended. The oh, Skype one? Oh, that Skype one. Yes. That was and kind of scary. I watched that in a cinema. I think the scariest thing was the hand in the blender. Oh, yeah, that was pretty intense. But yeah. I've never... Okay, see, but here's <laughs> the thing, right? I've never seen a horror movie beginning to end. Yeah. But you best believe I've seen certain scenes from Hereditary. Oh, my God. Don't start me on Hereditary. Which I know that you've discussed oh a lot God, on this podcast. That just... But it's like, okay, I, I don't really fuck mm. with horror that much fair. at all. That's fair. But then it's like I'm so intrigued by it. Oh, I'm yeah. that person where it's like I'm not going to go watch that movie but mm. I'm going to stand at the door and I'm going to watch bits and pieces of it and then as soon as something scary happens I'm bolting. <laughs> well, Usain it's like, bolting. It's like <laughs> it's an innate human thing being like morbidly curious about like dark things. Yes. Like we're just like cavemen who are like scared of the dark mm. because we're scared of predators coming in. But we want to know what it is. That's yes. just like the curiosity we built with. I'm the same. Like, I'll, for example, read a news story about horrific images of a car crash that murdered 17, mm. like killed 17 people, b- gruesome, don't look. And I'm like, well, now I've got to look. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want to. the warning. I, I'm going to go against it. My finger, like, literally involuntary clicks. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Now yeah. I can't sleep. Great. Um, so have you ever had any, like, not supernatural, maybe not necessarily, but any, like, life-changingly... Or just scary experiences in general that you want to share? Ooh. I mean... It can be anything, like sharks. It could be... Almost drowned. <gasps> Same. <laughs> You're the third person on this podcast who's almost drowned. I mean, and that was just me at, like, seven going into a beach yeah, and getting and sucked in by a wave. Rip. All of us. Same. Yeah. Literally, it's so funny. It's like all the gays I know have almost drowned. <gasps> and now I can never go to a beach because of it. I know. I don't. I haven't been to a beach since I was... Seven. I haven't swum in the beach since that day either. Yeah. It was literally the scariest thing I've ever experienced. Yes, it's yeah. terrifying. It is fucked. I thought I was literally that was it for me. But in terms of like a supernatural or a paranormal experience, again, maybe it's just I'm ignorant and I've closed my eyes to it, but mm. I can't recall anything happened. Again, I think I'm such a, a positive person that mm. like if it has happened to me, I've tried to turn into a positive. Okay. Like a book fell off the shelf and I'd be like, oh, it's Nan. <laughs> not like, like, like not like yeah. being like, oh my god! It's like Manon yeah. from the craft yeah. coming to like invoke the spirit or yeah, something. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. So you just kind of like, because 
I think uh, I've mentioned it a few times in the podcast. It's like with spirits and ghosts, um, from what I believe, is mm. like if you want them to come, they're going to come. Yes. So I think that the energy you're putting out is necessarily like you don't really need it. Yeah. Like you don't need that in your yeah. life. So whereas like people who actively seek it and like want it, like mm. they're going to come to you. And I don't ever want that. So. No. No, God, no. God, um, no. Even though I've had like, I've only had a few like genuinely scary experiences. One that I like remember this morning mm-hmm. that I was going to mention was, do you know Windy Gully? Yes. Okay. It's like, so anybody who doesn't know Windy Gully is like a lookout thing. Um in Mount Kembla and it's like where everyone goes to like make out or yeah. whatever and do drugs and shit. Um, I don't know if you're allowed up there or if it's like illegal, but like it's a very narrow road up a mountain covered in trees and yeah. then it kind of comes to an opening and there's like cars parked there. Anyway, when I was like 16, I went there with my friend Gabby and my friend Brandon. Hi Gabby and Brandon. <laughs> Thank God. Um, and I went there just to like, when you're a kid, you just go. Of course. Do that stupid shit. I've been um, there. We got like first got our peas, blah, blah, blah. Um, did I say 16? How old was I when I got my peas? I would have been 18. 18. Wow. Crazy. Anyway, so we were coming down Windy Gully and as we were driving down, this was like 11 o'clock at night. Mm. This man literally leaps out of the bushes towards the car, like as we're driving, but like fucking dick. not in front of the car, like into the, like the window. Like he jumps, he, he like leaps out of I the... I beg your pardon. And it was one of those things where I was looking out the window and Gabby was looking out the window on the left-hand side and we were both looking and being like, oh, imagine if like there was like... I was like, oh, it's so scary, look. And then she was like watching and we both screamed at the same time because we saw this man literally leap out of the of the woods and he had like a backpack on. He didn't look scary, he looked young, but it just like was fucking terrifying and we didn't go back, obviously not. I'm never going there again. No, I would Not that I would, no, because no, it's no. Windy Gully, first off. I've, but oh. that's... What? I know, that, no. whole, that whole area in general has really scary vibes to well, it. Isn't there that abandoned house? Like, as yeah, you're going I think there? so. There's, like, a cottage, and apparently, yes. like, kids have died there from mm-hmm. a mine accident, mm-hmm. and then, like, a bunch of urban legends. I don't know if they're yeah. real. Actually, it might be interesting to do a story on that. Who knows? Maybe we can go there. Maybe one day. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> there's also a cemetery there for kids, I think. That's nice. Oh, beautiful. Not nice. That's terrifying. Yeah, that's um, bad. <laughs> Okay, so besides Unfriended, you've literally never even experienced, like, the Sixth Sense or... No. Signs? No. <gasps> oh, I God. know of these movies. Yeah, but you just... But I actively choose not to watch them. Is For it because me, you personally, I just... I don't want to watch a movie and be scared. I want to okay. watch a movie and laugh. I want to okay. watch a movie and fall in love with a character. Yeah. I don't want to watch a movie and be scared. If other people want to, that's great. I tell them, go for it. But don't ask me to come to the cinema with you. It's just not happening. But you've never been to, like, a group, like, sleepover or friend group and they've no. just put on a horror movie? Well, they've tried and I've told them absolutely not. Oh, so no. you're, one of, you're that one? Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Because I'm that horror who's like, let's watch a horror movie and everyone's like, no, please. Great. No. And I'm like, please. No, yes, let's do it. That's great. Um, But, like, I appreciate that because I'm, I'm terrified of them, but I still watch them because I love... The feeling of, like, fear. I don't know what mm. it is. Well, see, and this is the really interesting thing for me, is I don't know how terrified I am of horror if I haven't really experienced it. You might watch it and be like, oh. Exactly right. Okay. It might just be a social perception thing for me that's been told, horror is scary. Yeah. So I've just taken that, I've gone, okay, well, then it's scary, I'm not going to watch it. Maybe you're scared of the fear itself. Yeah. But not actually the horror movie. Because, like, for example, Hereditary... Like, that scared the bones out of me. But mm. I've talked to some people who are like, oh, that was 
that wasn't scary at all. And then I talked to the same person and they're like, the second Harry Potter terrified me. I'm like, what? So it's like, if obviously everybody's scared from different yeah. things. Jaws scares the shit out of me. Like, I've never seen Jaws. Oh, what's wrong with you? Jaws is a classic. I know. But it's like, I'm terrified of sharks. So that movie literally like destroyed my entire life. Okay, well, look, for me, I've seen Hereditary, the bits and pieces. Which which scenes have you seen? Um, oh, we can't really do spoilers, can we? Oh, well, if you haven't seen Hereditary and you listen to this podcast, like, who are you, really? True. That's shocking to me. True. Unless you're me. And, but... I've, ta- and I've talked about it that many times, like, at this point, you should have watched it. Okay, fabulous. Okay, so I've seen Little Girl Head. Oh, God, yeah. Saying mm-hmm. see ya. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's probably so insensitive. Um, I've seen Tony Collette chopping her own head off. In the attic, it's, it's the attic, isn't it? Yeah. Up there, mm-hmm. and I've seen, I've seen like pretty much the ending sequence. Okay, of like the running around. her chasing him up mm-hmm. in there, her cutting the head off, banging on the yes, yeah, yeah. and then oh, that's where did you terrifying. see that? YouTube. But what made you? Um, I genuinely think somebody said okay, watch this. Was just like was just talking about the movie maybe, and I was like, oh, I'm never gonna watch that, and then I went on YouTube and like watched clips. Oh, this gay. Um, it's really out of context. I, I think only the head banging freaked mm. me out maybe a little bit because I was like, okay. "What the fuck?" I honestly hell? don't. I honestly think that you wouldn't be that scared. It seems very psychologically very. That's what's terrifying. Me, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, when I think about a lot of movies I've personally heard from some people that are the most scariest, that's what they've said are the most scariest. Mm. And so that's the ones that I go and look at the clips <laughs> of, and I'm like. I don't think this is scary. So what would what would scare you, do you think? Slashes? Um, okay, jump scares. Okay, I hate that. Okay, so, like, literally, I'm not even joking. Somebody, like, could come... Like, somebody could right now come mm-hmm. and tap me on the shoulder. I would turn around, karate chop them in the head, like, <laughs> scream yeah. like I'm five years old. Yeah. I don't like jump scares. Neither do I. I hate them. Yeah. There is a... Speaking of jump scares, there's this Great. comic that I read. <laughs> I'll send... I'll put a link in the... On the sketch shitless... Um, facebook page it's this do you know what manga is manga yeah yeah it's like one of those online and that's what i'll say oh it's just about this man who's like walking around the streets and he finds a woman in the middle of the streets kind of like being creepy um but it's it's a comic but it's really cool i'll put it on the page watch it if anybody wants to read it i mean um okay so now we're gonna get into the next part which is horror movie of the week Great. I wouldn't even call this a horror movie. It's just a movie that I think people should watch. Um, and so, without further ado, I would like to say that the schedule of horror movie of the week is The Love Witch. I'm Samantha Robinson, the star of the new 35mm motion picture called The Love Witch. In the movie, I move from San Francisco to Eureka to start a new life where no one knows me. And I meet a lovely woman named Trish. Hey. Hi, I'm Trish. Well, what do men want? Just a pretty woman to love and to take care of them. I set up shop as a witch. And I start to use my love spells on unsuspecting men. You want some? What is it? Something I made. Sometimes the spells work too well, and the men, well. Mm. Wayne. They just don't make it. Men 
are just not as strong as we are. Oh well, life goes on. <sighs> but I keep trying, hoping that something will eventually work out. Love me. And then one day, I meet Mr. Wright. All is going well. Until suddenly everyone starts to get very angry with me. Why is everyone trying to punish me? What you call love is a borderline personality disorder. Why does everything happen to me? How will it all end? Well, you'll have to see the movie to find out. Come and see The Love Witch, coming soon to a theater near you. Have you heard of it? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good. It's um, very, very hipster. Oh. Like very hip, very cool. Um, it's one of those kind of like indie... Oh, um, yes. Indie, like, independent. <laughs> I'm saying indie, but longer. Indie. Indie, indie, indie hippie, groovy, hippie, funky. Groovy, funky, hipster movies. Yes. I guess. Low budget, but, like, incredible. Okay. Yes. So I usually go through the synopsis. Um, so I'm going to do that. Yeah. But I'm not going to spoil it today. I'm just going to genuinely go through, like, the shorter version because I think that normally I'd go through the whole plot, but today I want people to actually watch this movie if you get some time because it's like really, really fucking good. Yeah, and don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Watch the movie. You're in quarantine. What else are you doing? <laughs> exactly. And I'm pretty sure it's free to watch online because it's a, um, it was, I don't know, there's something, some sort of law around it. Um, oh. uh, also, it is beautifully shot and it has, like, the makeup in it is yep. stunning. Like, it's, that's all I noticed. Like, yeah. I showed it, I was like, wow. Anyway, so Love Witch is a 2016 American comedy horror slash tragedy film. So that's why it's, like, not a horror, but kind of is. But yeah. it's also got really funny elements. Um, film written, edited, directed, produced, and scored by a woman named Anna Billa. The film stars Samantha Robinson as Elaine Parks, a modern-day witch who uses spells and magic to get men to fall in love with her with disastrous results. Icon. Um, shot in LA and Eureka, California, it premiered at the International Film Festival Rotterdam. In May 2016, it was acquired for distribution at the Cannes Film Festival. The film received a limited release in the US in 2016. The Love Witch was shot on 35mm film and printed from an original cut negative. The film has received positive reviews for its playful tribute to 1960s horror and Technicolor films, combined with its serious inquiry into contemporary gender roles. So it's like Ooh. all about um, women and love and sex and it's like very, very much like a... Um, Commentary on that. Oh, I love that. Because, like, you, a lot of the time you watch um, witch movies and that's usually that's usually the point of them. Yeah. Is that you want to watch a strong female, like The Craft, for example. Yes. Or um, I remember watching Charmed when I was, like, six. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I love these women. Like, they're so powerful and cool. Yes. And then you watch, but then, like, the ones you watch as a kid, like, The Witch is, like, scary and gross. Often. Yeah. Um, but also, like, Angelica Houston. <laughs> Icon. Yeah. <laughs> She's... <laughs> Anne Hathaway's playing the new one. Not sure yes. About that. I'm not sure about that. I don't know how yeah, that's going to go. Yeah, I don't know either. Lame is. I don't know. Oh, honestly. I dream, um, I dream. <laughs> don't start me. I know. Um, so The Love Witch, 
shot on 35 millimeter, which is like never done. Anymore. Yeah, that's really interesting. So it's beautiful to look at. It's very aesthetic. Mm. It's very like vintage and cool. And it feels like you're watching a movie made in the 60s, but it obviously was made in 2016. And it's actually set in modern times, but it feels like you're watching this like 60s thing. Oh, I love that dynamic. It's smart because the director, she's trying to make a point of like, women in the 60s in these films are normally not the main characters and they're usually told what to do by the male protagonist. So by making it a 60s aesthetic and she's the main character who's like demanding men with magic spells, it's like changing the narrative. It's very clever. I'd highly recommend it. It's a bit slow and the dialogue can be like very dry and like drags on. Some scenes you're like, okay, we get it. (laughs) Um, But it's beautifully shot. The makeup and the hair are like top notch. I don't know if it's, like, the 35 millimeter that makes everything just, like, pop. Yeah. But, like, her, she has this gorgeous blue eyeshadow and, like, green and, like, stunning black, like, middle-parted hair. Like, Did you say that the film was directed by a woman? Yeah. Okay. Unwritten. I always find that if it's directed by a woman, there is definitely much more of a focus on hair and makeup. Oh, Which, absolutely. of course, sometimes may be stereotypical, yeah. but yeah. I always think that plays a really important role 100%. in developing a character. From 100%. A script to a screen. Well, the thing is, like most, um, like in a film, that's that's what a character is. Like yes. she, by looking at her eyeshadow, for example, or hair, like you immediately go, like having blue eyeshadow, you immediately make an assumption of the character. Like she obviously has like a very quirky, yes, unusual artistic side. She's a bad bitch. She's a bad bitch. Yeah, and I hundred percent agree. I think putting focus on art, on hair and makeup is so important. Like when you watch a film, and you can tell that. A character is just like made up to look non-made up, mm. and you're like, that's just not what it would be. Like, I think that these women would probably want to, like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I get you though. No, I <laughs> you get know what, what I mean? you're saying. It yeah. is hard to explain, but I get you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, for example, Midsummer, which is directed by Ari Aster, mm. like, he's dude, but he puts emphasis on like costuming. Yes, um, that's a big thing for him, yes. and like that's a striking film. Yes, have you seen that? I haven't seen it. Definitely seen clips though. Seen the whole ending. <gasps> Heartbreaking. Actually, I think I've seen like, okay, what's that channel? Movie clips on YouTube. I'm pretty oh, yeah, sure I've yeah. like watched the whole film it's essentially good. through that. It's really good. It looks good. It doesn't look that spooky. Again, mm-hmm. it does. It seems more like psychologically like. Yeah, it is. Creepy, yeah. which yeah. maybe that's what I'm attracted to, which I mean, that sounds absolutely <laughs> wrong to say, but like, I don't know. Maybe that's the type of horror that I'm intrigued in. Again, I think it's maybe it's thought provoking. Yeah. Cause it's got that psychological mental. Yeah. It's all about it. like, and drug use and like, yeah. Psychosis and things. Yeah. It's kind of like a very, like, it's very much a movie about a lot of social aspects, which I yeah. always kind of love a good commentary on. Do you, do you also like, cause I like watching horror movies that are just like, for the sake of being hor- like unfriended. Yes. As much as they wanted to make a commentary on fucking social media and shit, <laughs> they didn't achieve that, in my oh, opinion. God, it was no. just a dumb, easy, campy horror movie. Oh, to watch. yeah. Um, there's another one on Netflix at the moment. I can't remember what it's called. It's called, like, I don't know, can't, no caller ID or some bullshit. Mm-hmm. And it's a very similar concept where it's like they're in a video conference and some random pops in and blah, blah. It's, again, it's shit. The only movie that's done, like, social media and internet stuff really well is a movie that came out last year called Searching. And it's about the whole film is only through um, like screen captures of like um, 
like screen recording so facetime then it goes like social media and then youtube and it kind of like creates a narrative through like the internet interesting it's really really good and it's about this um man whose daughter goes missing and so he goes on her phone to find out like what happened okay and he finds all this information it's really really good and there's a huge twist um and that's a movie that did it really well yeah um and i think it's like showing that detective movies how like they would have a magnifying glass and like look for little footsteps all you need is a phone now literally yeah. all you need is a phone all the clues you need are inside of the fucking phone yes like the amount of shit in my phone that you could like know about my life mm. is terrifying yes like if i looked at your phone right now for like two hours i'd probably like be like this is who your whole family is yeah this is here where you live like i would know everything of course it's scary i can't deal with it <laughs> neither can i i'm throwing out my phone after this sorry get rid of it yeah honestly get rid of it so we're going to have a very brief break and then we're going to be back for the main story. Stunning. Um, before we start this main story, there is a slight like trigger warning about um, like suicide and self-harm. So if you are easily disturbed by that kind of thing, please, um, unfortunately, I have to skip the main story today. But if you are here for the ride, then stick on, stick on, um, yay. <laughs> And then just stick around, and I went a full 180 there. Yeah. Um, see you soon. Bye. Welcome back. Hope you had a nice break. I'm here with uh, Miss Ruby Jubilee. That's me. <gasps> that rhymed. Yes. I love the fact that my name does rhyme. Ruby Jubilee. Or Ruby Jubilee. Can you tell Jubilee. me the name again? You, you told me recently, I fucking forgot it. What it comes from. Where it comes from. So Ruby is my grandmother's birthday. That's it, yeah. So that's why I'm Ruby. And then a Ruby Jubilee. So they have in like... The royal families, they always have these, like, um, celebrations that mark, like, every decade of a monarch's reign. So and there's, like, jubilees? you've got, like, a diamond jubilee, a sapphire Not jubilee, sure. and the ruby jubilee is the 40th anniversary. That means absolutely nothing to okay. me. But I knew that I wanted to be called Ruby, and when I was trying to find a last name, I just... I've always been obsessed with, like, royal things. Like, I love royal history. I'm, like, mm. really obsessed with that. And I just came across... I think it was on like Wikipedia. I just literally saw the term Ruby like, Jubilee perfect. and I said it out loud and I was like, that's going to be my name. And I guess like drag queen. Exactly. And that's right. Yeah. Like my whole thing is <clears throat> I kind of love being like, like I always call myself like a drag princess. Yeah. So I always love being kind of like that, like little bratty princess chick. <laughs> and then that relates back to the whole royalty thing. How long you been, so you've been, so have you long been doing drag for now? Um, so I walked out of the house in full drag on the 23rd of May last year. So that was my very first Queer AF that I went to. Yeah. And so, yeah, it'll be a year at the end of this month. Wow. I literally bombarded you, didn't I? Well, I got out of the car and then I, <laughs> like, was walking and then you came across. Because, okay, I was absolutely terrified. And then I rocked up, got out of the car, and everybody was outside. Yeah. It was like everybody decided to go outside at that one time. Yeah. And I was like, 
Are you fucking joking like me? Like, perfect, perfect timing there. No, and I'm so glad yeah. that that did happen, yeah, looking yeah. back on it now. Because I was like, you need to perform. Hi. Hi. Hello, who are you? <laughs> I just see any new performer, and I'm like, I get so excited. Yeah, no. Because um, I know how I know how much, like, it's how much courage it takes. Like, yeah, I totally get absolutely. it. absolutely. Well, in 40 years from the end of this month, 39 years, you can have your Ruby Jubilee. And that's my favourite thing. When I literally, like... When it's my 40th huge. anniversary of, yeah. like, me starting drag, shit's going down. I can just imagine what we're, we're going to go to England. Yes. We're going to meet... Um, I'm going to do a European tour. We're going to meet the Supreme Leader XAA12, who's Holy Grimes Baby. Crap. And then we'll say, hey. I'm going to do a song with them. A track. <laughs> the fact that... Ugh, I can't get over that. How do you even pronounce it? Apparently it's... Ali... I think it's like Ali Archangel 12. See, I want it to be spelt like that, but I want it to pronounce like Bethany. <laughs> yeah. Like something really yeah. like left of center. Karen. Yeah. I wish. Susan. They're too intellectually smart yeah. to do that, which is fucking funny. Okay, so into the main story now. Enough of terrifying crimes in Elon Musk, <laughs> even though that's a horror story in itself, let's be real. Um, have you heard of Columbine? Yes. So um, what do you know about Columbine? Like what's your knowledge on it? Um, so I remember in school, we watched the documentary. Bowling for Columbine? Yep. Very important documentary. Yes. I remember we watched that and, um, it was, it was kind of terrifying. Yeah. Especially when you're in high school and you're watching that and that like the correlation between that, it's kind of scary. Did you guys ever do bomb or, um, active shooter, um, Drills or anything like that. We, so we did things like lockdown drills yeah. and fire drills. Um, my school went into lockdown once. Oh, an actual lockdown. What was? Um, but it, funnily enough, it actually wasn't something that happened oh. at my school. We, the school that I went to, there was another high school right next to us on the same street. Yeah, they had an incident on the back ovals that we shared. What happened? Um, somebody got stabbed. Oh, so there was by a student. The, yeah, so there was a bunch of students from the other school out on the backfield having this massive fight, and this one student got stabbed by another. Oh. And because of that, both of the schools had to go into lockdown because even though yeah, it was yeah. their school, we were right next to them. Just in case, and it was completely just a feud between them. Yeah, like I'm not going to go into stabbing. They, had, they didn't know that it yeah. could have literally been somebody who was on some sort of rampage, and they could have come to our school. For Gee, all fuck. So yeah, God, don't stab. If you want to fight, just use your fists. Yes. Don't bring a knife to a to a fist fight. Yeah, I and that, I mean there was rumors that it was like a pen, but I was like, um, come on now, come on now. To be fair, I could probably stab you with anything. Yeah, like my vape. Yeah, if I wanted to. Like, oh, who has the time? Who and then you the also time? get like a hit when you do it. That's <laughs> so wrong. Sorry, <laughs> doesn't even make any sense. No, it doesn't. So. We're going to talk about two boys in this story. So one of them's name is Eric Harris mm-hmm. and one's name's Dylan Klebold. Klebold. Klebold? What sounds nicer? Klebold or Klebold? Klebold. It's pronounced a lot differently, a different in every documentary. So Klebold, I think, is nicer. Okay, so Dylan Klebold was born and raised in Colorado where Dylan was, like, he was known for being very shy but also, like, crazy smart. Mm-hmm. Um, can't relate. So he attended the Colorado Challenging High Intellectual Potential Students Program, which is called the CHIPS Program. Wow. And it was like for gifted, gifted children. So he was very, very fucking smart. And he was in that program all the way up until 
like sixth grade. So from first grade, sixth grade yep. was in this super smart program. Um, he was, he also was one to like not show his emotions and would like bottle everything up and would just like explode in like fits of rampage. Right. Rather than like talking about his feelings. Yeah. Then we go to Eric. So Eric was born in, Eric Harris was born in Wichita, Kansas, and he was a son of an Air Force pilot. Um, and he spent a lot of his childhood moving from like one city to another, different towns. He was very, very fascinated by like war stories and would regularly play like soldier games with his friends. Right. He was always like the hero in these stories as well. Like he would be the one to like save his friends, not to be the, he's all very much like hero complex. Right. Crazy. Um, so he was also, and like, and big, like into gaming, he would, um, be really into the Doom franchise. Yes. Yeah. Have you played it? I haven't played it, but I know it. It's hectic. It's great. Um, and he would like create these like custom levels, which became extremely popular. Like, so he was very into like computers. He was very, very good at it. Um, his father in 1993 had moved the family to Colorado and eventually Eric attended Columbine High School. So Eric and Dylan met in middle school, but didn't become like super close until high school, which was Columbine. Yeah. Um, while some people said that the two boys were targets of bullying because like every documentary and like sometimes some articles you read, people like, uh, these two boys are really, really bullied and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, they actually weren't bullied much at all. They were actually pretty popular. They had a huge group of friends, which is a common myth actually in a lot of articles. And the pair bonded over their love of philosophy and video games. Again, can't relate. Do you play video games? Um, do you know what? Really recently I have, but that just might like be what? quarantine. Oh, just like boring stuff. Crash Bandicoot? No. Oh my God. I used to play that as a kid though. That slapped. <laughs> but I was always the girl one. I didn't, I didn't have time to be Crash Bandicoot. I, know, I was girl. busy being the girl one. Coco. Yes. Hi, Oh my God. I used to call her girlfriend because I didn't realize they're related. Oh. They're the brother and sister. I'm sorry, what? They're brother and sister. I thought they were, I thought they were like together. No, brother and sister. I thought they were. I used to call her girlfriend. Gag. I know what a gag. Oh my gag God. Of season. He also has a brother named Crunch, which you, know, you only see in a few games. I know, crazy. Anyway, so, um, so the pair bonded over love, love philosophy, video games. Uh, Dylan joined the theater department, um, and Eric followed suit, working backstage as like soundboard people. Mm-hmm. Soundboard operators, I guess we call it. Sound technicians. Sound technicians. Um, they regularly attended football games, cheering on Eric's brother. Um, he was like the star kicker of the Columbine High School football team. Whatever a star kicker is, could not tell you. Um, <laughs> the team was called the Rebels. And because Eric's older brother was a football player, like it, Eric obviously got like popularity from that. Yeah. Because football is cool. Top of the food chain. It's cool. You want to be a footballer. Um and I'd rather so, be a cheerleader, but... Honestly, same. I'd rather be the person handing out the hot dogs. Yes! Iconic. Handing out and eating. You know what I'm obsessed with? Um, and I would love to do for a drag performance one time. This is such a sidebar. But you know those cigarette ladies? Yes. And they hand they, you buy like 20 cent cigarettes? Yes. I'd love to do that. That's iconic. <gasps> anyway. I'm obsessed right, with after like, this, we're making this performance <laughs> thank happen. God. I'm obsessed with like vintage stuff. Anyway, okay, so... <laughs> Eric, with his popularity um, that Eric had because of his brother, he was able to find a date for freshman homecoming. Love that. 
Um, when the unnamed person said she did not want to continue seeing Eric after the homecoming because a lot of people just stayed together and like start dating, he decided to play a prank on her by covering himself and a rock in fake blood and letting out a scream to look like that he just killed himself. Um, obviously, like, she did not find this funny at all and was like, don't talk to me ever again. He thought it was fucking funny and all of his friends were like, that's so funny, man. Like, yeah, suicide, huh? Um, but she Jesus was very upset. Christ. And um, so that was kind of like a weird uh, warning. A prelude. Kind of like really dark humor. It's just a bit too far, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So Columbine High School was like extremely well-known and notorious for like bullying, even though they, these two particular boys weren't bullied, but the, the um, school itself just had a bad rep for bullying. Right. Um, apparently teachers like never really did anything to stop it. And for Halloween in 1996, a junior named Eric Dutrow had his parents buy him a black like trench coat jacket for a Dracula costume. Um, the costume didn't come to fruition and like he decided to go for something else, but he decided that he really liked the trench coat and like it gave him a lot of attention from people. So soon his friends started to wear the, these jackets as well. And um, one student coined the term trench coat mafia and the name stuck and the friend group used the term as like their kind of defining right. thing. And the reason why I mention that is because it comes back into play later on. So gotcha. Eric and Dylan weren't like part of the trench coat mafia, but um, there's a guy named Chris Morris who was in the trench coat mafia. So Chris Morris, it's like a bit of a jump here, but Chris Morris had a part-time job at the local Blackjack Pizza restaurant and helped Eric get a job there the summer after their first year of high school. Um, Dylan also eventually got a job because Eric was like, hey, this guy named Chris, who's the Trench Coat Mafia, lovely guy, do you want a job as well? And Dylan was like, fuck yeah, let's work together. So they both got a job there. Um, Eric was like very, very good at his job he was very polite he was always on time very well put together uh so much that he actually became the shift manager during his senior year using his position to win over girls with free pizza like same as you do um the boys and their co-workers would routinely fool around at work during slow hours drinking beer and shooting bottle rockets off the roof i couldn't even tell you what that is oh my god what? what's a bottle rocket Shooting bottle rockets off the roof. Maybe like putting fireworks in a bottle and like... Did you ever do that? I haven't tried. <laughs> like I've never done that. No, it seems neither. like a very straight Yeah, it seems very straight. I yeah, don't know. Drinking beer? Can't relate. Bottle rockets? Can't relate. Yeah, sorry. Pizza? Can relate. Oh, 1000%. <laughs> Get me on it. Honestly, win me over with pizza. Um, it was around this time of the boys' lives that their friendship started to change. So Eric became, like, louder, bolder, more out there, more outgoing, right. while Dylan, who was also, like, very impressionable, like, eventually just followed suit. And, like, Dylan pretty much did anything Eric said. And so mm -hmm. when Eric was becoming more confident and out there, Dylan, like, did the same thing. Right. Um, one night, the pair decided to wear all black and were running missions, quote-unquote, which was toilet papering houses, spray painting on walls, as well as setting fire to potted plants. Like, what? How's that fun? Oh. Um, skipping forward in time a little bit, going to Halloween in 1997, Eric and Dylan bragged about shooting trick-or-treaters with a BB gun, and that same year, Dylan was suspended for carving homophobic insults into a freshman boy's locker. 
Cool, good on you, Dylan. You're great. Jesus. Um, around this time as well, Eric started to distance himself from people. He wasn't able to drive, so he relied on a student named uh, Brooks Brown, iconic name, um, for lifts to and from school. He was a friend of Eric. So Brooks, who was like a bit of a stoner, a bit of a slacker, he was always late to pick up Eric. And one day um, they got into an argument because he rocked up really late. Eric's like a straight-A student. Mm-hmm. So when Brooks arrived late, they had a huge fight and... Eric was like, I don't want to see you anymore. And Brooks was like, I'm not giving you lifts to school anymore. You're a piece of shit. Um, and one day, like a few days later after this fight, um, Brooks is parked like at a stop sign near Eric's bus stop. And Eric shattered Brooks' windshield with a block of ice. Jesus um, Christ. So like obviously angry, Brooks told Eric's parents about how he like was drinking and going out and vandalizing the streets like to get revenge on Eric. So in January, Dylan approached Brooks at school and handed him a piece of paper. So Dylan now, not, yeah, not Eric, yeah. handed Brooks a piece of paper with a website on it and said to Brooks, I think you should look at this tonight and you can't tell Eric I gave it to you. Brooks was like, what the fuck? What's this note? Why, mm. is, Dylan, why is Dylan giving me this note? That's strange. So the website was Eric's AOL profile, which is, I guess, like MySpace in the 90s. Yeah. Um, where he wrote under the name Reb, which stood for Rebel. And he detailed, like, his vandalizing nights and evenings with someone named Vodka, who was Dylan, Dylan's screen yeah. um, Including building pipe bombs. And he also, like, wrote about how he wanted to kill people. Oh, um, and he named Brooks Brown as someone he wanted to kill in this oh profile. Oh, my God. So... Could you imagine reading that? Honestly, I'd be really angry, upset, Like, being, like you being that and seeing... Oh, Right. So, like, oh Dylan obviously was like, hey, man, I'm a bit scared for you. Yeah, you he was trying out? to do something right. Yeah, something right, which is crazy. Um, so, Brooks' parents called the police, obviously, and the detective they spoke to noticed, uh, no, sorry, noted pipe bombs had been found in the area and thought that the threats were credible enough to make a formal report on Eric. A few days later, Dylan and Eric missed school. Rumors went around the school that they were both in very big trouble. So Brooks' parents felt relieved that they had taken care of the problem, but they didn't know that Eric and Dylan were actually arrested for something, like, completely different. They were actually arrested for breaking into a parked van and stealing electronics from from it. Eric's father, Wayne, managed to get the boys to a program called the Juvenile Diversion Program, and once it was over, both of them were deemed rehabilitated and given clear records on their criminal records. Um, And to the people who were running the program, both boys seemed to be, like, Lovely. Like, they were, like, really mm. well-spoken to their superiors. Um, they did everything they were supposed to do. Mm. But deep down, the boys were, like, really angry and really embarrassed for being caught. Yeah. And so this, like, after this, this is, like, when Eric and Dylan started, like, getting really fucking fucked up. Yeah. Weird. So in, in 1998, Eric stopped posting online and began to keep a notebook that he titled... The Book of God. Um, I thought there was already a Book of God called the Bible, but apparently not. Bible 2.0. 2.0, probably. The remix, Bam Boom Bitch, the sequel. <laughs> um, what's that, Nicki Minaj? Ah, like, oh, it's the remix on TikTok. <laughs> My favourite oh thing. That's Eric when he starts a notebook. Um, so most- <laughs> Eric invented TikTok. He literally did. Actually, I should like bring it down because it's pretty dark. Okay, right. <clears throat> The Book of God. In his book, he would dedicate his his he would dedicate like writings to 
homicidal fantasies and nihilistic philosophies. Do you know what nihilism is? No, what is that? Nihilism is like the belief that um, you're going to die anyway, so what matters? That's pretty much the Ooh. bread and butter of the belief. Okay. It's got to do with like, uh, yeah, like what's the point of um, being good when you're going to be in the ground anyway one day? Right, okay. So like fuck shit up. Yeah, fun, right. Which is crazy. Yeah, no, that sounds... That sounds not right. Not healthy. Not no, healthy. not healthy. Not healthy, not cute, no time. But, okay, so... Um, so Dylan had also been keeping a diary as well. Um, and he'd actually been keeping a diary since a year before Eric started the diary. Mm-hmm. Um, and the differences between the two diaries is, like, pretty crazy. Like, Eric's diary was very, like, about God self-medicating with alcohol... Um, cutting himself, his thoughts about suicide. He would also also almost write always in poetry and, like, prose and would never, like, write Dear Diary. He would all write, like, this kind of, like, abstract shit. Right. Um, he would also talk about love a lot in this journal, in Eric's journal, and he would uh, he had two notes in the journal that he wanted to give to a girl that he was, like, obsessed with, but um, they never got delivered and there was lots of drawings of hearts. Like, a very kind of sweet teenager... Diary. Um, So he had that soft side to him, but also that really dark Mm. side. Um, He said to... He said in the diary as well that other people would just quote zombies and um, they were just lucky because they're like ignorance is bliss. And he was saying that he feels harder than everybody else and everybody's just like following suit and everybody else is stupid pretty much. Right. Dumb. Yeah. So he would also often write not just about one particular thing, uh, thing in the diary. He was very, like, compulsive. He had not only hated other human beings and loved Nazis, he would also write that he wanted to kill mankind, and he described his fantasy of, uh, fantasies of raping girls from his school, writing, quote, I want to grab some weak little freshmen and just tear them apart like a fucking wolf, show them who is God, unquote. Disgusting. Like, piece of shit. Truly a piece of shit. Yeah, that's just... It's not cute. Absolutely. Just wrong. Dangerous. Dangerous, dangerous, man. So after some time, Eric dedicated himself to building dozens of explosives from pipe bombs to something called crickets, which are made from like, you know, Nangs? Yes. Little CO2 canisters. Mm -hmm. Probably can make bombs out of those. So he was making those little bombs. Oh my God. Um, He looked into making napalm. And at one point he tried to recruit... Chris Morris, who was the guy from the pizza shop, right? Um, playing it off as like a joke, being like, huh, I'm going to set it off in the school. Like, can you make me some napalm? And Chris was like, absolutely not. You're ridiculous. Thank God for Chris. Thank God. Um, Eric also took notes about students and movements and the number of exits in the school in the diary as well. Meanwhile, he researched the Brady Bill and various loopholes in gun laws before finally on November 22nd, 1998, joining Dylan in convincing an 18-year-old friend to buy two shotguns and a rifle for them at a gun show. Um, Eric bought a semi-automatic pistol from a friend behind the pizza shop. So it was pretty much at this point where Eric decided that he couldn't go back now and he didn't expect a few things to go wrong, though. So just before the new year, the local gun shop called his house saying that the magazines he had ordered for his rifle had arrived. Magazines being like the twisty thing you put on. I think it's the twisty thing. No, it's like the thing that holds the ammo, I think. Yes, yeah. I don't know what it is. Um, But the problem was that his dad picked up the phone and he was like, hey, uh, is this Eric? And um, dad was like, "Uh, what's this for? And he's like, magazines have arrived. And the dad was like, 
excuse me? And Eric played it off as like, oh, it must be a prank or a joke. I just don't believe him. Um, Jesus. The most persistent ob- obstacle, though, was Dylan's mental health. So Dylan wrote about his plans to kill himself, including stealing one of Eric's pipe bombs and strapping it to his neck. He also signed off a lot of his diary entries with goodbye, intending them to be his last. So he was, like, not dealing at all. One of his last entries read, quote, I'm stuck in humanity, maybe going crazy. With Eric is the only way to break free. I hate this. Time to die. Time to be free. Time to love. Unquote. Wow. Mm. Nearly all of the remaining pages of the journal are filled with drawings of his intended outfit and weapons to wear for their, quote, doomsday. It's like a, it's a day that they were planning. Mm. Um, I'm sure we can assume what that day is to them. Yep. The pair worked their final shift at um, Blackjack Pizza on Friday, April 16th. Eric secured advances for both of them to purchase last-minute supplies, being ammo and guns. Mm-hmm. Dylan attended prom with a, gr- with a group of 12 friends, while Eric went on a first and last date um, with a girl he recently met. That Monday, the original date for Doomsday, um, Eric actually postponed the plan so he could buy more bullets from a friend. He apparently forgot that he had turned 18 and, like, didn't need a middleman anymore. So he went and bought a shit ton more bullets. Great. So the next morning, April 20th, both boys got up and left their houses by 5.30 a.m. to begin their final preparation. We're going to, to, like, cut forward um, a few hours ahead to the school um, where Brooks Brown, the guy that used to give lifts to Eric, he is noticing something weird. So just before lunch, like, before the lunch bell went off, Brooks Brown was walking towards a smoking area near the um, school parking lot outside the school. And on the way, he came across Eric Harris. So Eric was wearing a trench coat and was pulling a big duffel bag from his car, which was parked like really far away from the car yes. park. Brooks was concerned and immediately asked Eric what he was doing and why he was, wasn't at the exam that he'd missed that morning. And Eric quickly interrupted him and said, it doesn't matter anymore, Brooks. I like you now. Get out of here. Go home. So at this point, Brooks was like, pretty confused about what was going on, what Eric, what, what the fuck Eric was talking about. And as he was walking toward the smoking area, he heard what he thought were fireworks and like thought, okay, well, Eric's obviously playing a prank and like the bag was filled with fireworks, but then realized that there were screams and that there were gunshots. So mm. Brooks quickly started running down the street to try and bang. He was like banging on doors being like someone, yeah. like call police. Um, so the bag that Eric Harris was carrying when he talked to Brooks contained one of several propane tank bombs. Two were placed in the cafeteria to bring down the ceiling, which would allow the pair to shoot students as they ran. Brooks also noted that his friend's car was parked far away, um, that Eric's car was parked far away. That was because both Dylan and Eric were rigged to explode. Um, they rigged the car to explode as police arrived. Oh That's why God. they parked it far away, because it would fuck the police up as yeah. well. Um, a final bomb was placed in a park three miles from the school set to go off before the others. This they hoped would draw away police by them in time, um, before the police arrived and killed them. Uh, their plan was to be killed by the cops. That was like their, like, they were like, gonna so go they out. planned to actually be killed by the cops. Yeah. By the cops. Yeah. That was what they wanted. That's what they wanted. Wow. So because the bombs were so big, Dylan and Eric could not hide them at home. And instead, they were made quickly on the morning of the attack. And no matter how smart they were, they couldn't figure out how to wire the detonators and failed to figure it out in the limited time that they had. Thankfully, um, in the end, none of these bombs yeah, actually Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, don't yeah, think any they, of them actually worked. They didn't. They all failed. Thank God. Um, oh, thank God. Yeah. 
So Dylan got cold feet when the cafeteria bomb didn't explode. They were supposed to stand many yards away from each other for optimal firing range. They wanted to spread out and shoot as many kids yeah. as they could. Um, but Dylan was standing right next to Eric because he was actually really scared. And Eric was trying to convince Dylan to go through with it. And uh, in the end, Eric did most of the shooting anyway. Yeah. The pair entered the library where they were at the mercy of... Uh, there was 50 students in there. And they actually allowed most of the students to leave and run away. Um, the turning point of the shooting seemed to be after the killing uh, of one student in the library, Eric's shotgun recoiled into his face, breaking his nose. Um, cameras show the pair then walk into the cafeteria, trying and failing to set off the propane tanks with a shotgun, like to sh- try and mm-hmm. shoot it, doesn't mm-hmm. go off. They then try to provoke police by firing through windows, but the officers neither hit them nor entered the building. Finally, Dylan and Eric returned to the library to watch their car bombs not go off. Mm-hmm picking a spot with a view of the Rocky Mountains where they shot themselves in the head. So, obviously, compared to, like, the fantasies in their head that they wrote in the diary, Mm. like, their plan was, like, actually a complete failure, to be honest. Like, they didn't do anything they wanted to achieve, thank goodness. They, like, it was originally planned for April 19th, which was the anniversary of the Waco siege and the Oklahoma City bombing, um, and Eric hoped that he would actually beat Timothy McVeigh's body count from the Oklahoma bombing, which was like oh the most fucked thing. So many kids died. It was horrible. Um, he fantasized about planting bombs around their town and that he wanted to hijack a plane and crash into New York City. The reason why the pair decided to do this was only closely related to a journal article. Like, sorry, the reason why the pair like did the shooting. Yeah. Like a lot of people were like, why did they even do it? Like, mm-hmm. was it bullying? What was it? The reason why they did it apparently was because they wanted to shoot up a school because it was like the one institution that like indoctrinated them into society. It represented everything they hated about like humanity. It was like a symbolic thing for them. Symbolic. It wasn't necessarily someone at the school they hated or like they didn't hate the students. They just wanted to like make a point. Yeah. Guys, it's the other way to make points. Absolutely. Like, Bloody hell. Like, there's less extreme ways to make points. Let's be real. The entire process was, like, obviously fucked. Like, the whole thing, 12 students, one teacher were killed. Um, here's the thing that, like, fucks me up with this whole story. Like, the p- people didn't know their kids were dead until the newspapers came out, like, the day after. They didn't... Mm. Police didn't, like, publicise anything. Wow. Police, like, fully did not set up a perimeter until... The two had shot themselves. Mm. The police never went inside because they were scared of booby traps. Um, stupid. And one student, like, he was bleeding. He bled out in, inside the building because the police didn't come in and help Jesus. him. Um, and another thing that, like, fucks me up is um, there was this news report that you can listen to. Uh, so this woman who's, like, an out-of-town journalist calls a local news station, Columbine, and she's like, Hi, I know there's an active shooting going on in the high school. Can you uh, let me know what's going on? And the woman on the phone is like, I'm on the phone to a student right now who's inside. Um, like, I'm trying to make sure she's okay. And this journalist's like, okay, can you can you get her on live with me right now? And the woman's oh, like, oh, geez, I guess what the so. Hell? Yeah, so, like, it just kind of, like, makes you... I'm not saying... <laughs> I'm not at all agreeing with a shooting. It's horrible. But things like that kind of make you think... That's what the boys saw. They saw that kind of like 
horrible part of humanity where mm. like you have no care. Yeah. Like this woman, this journalist only cared about her job in that moment mm. and not the, the, the kids who were like being killed. Yes. And so obviously what they did was disgusting and unforgivable and they should yeah. never have. And I'm, you know, it's cowardly for them to kill themselves and not own up to what they did. But kind of makes you think like there are really shitty people in the world, but I wouldn't have to necessarily go out and shoot up a whole school to Absolutely make that, to make that point. Absolutely not. Um, and like the whole Columbine thing, like has really like shaken up the world. Like after yeah. Columbine, um, so many schools like had to have compulsory gun. Yes. Um, like pat downs and like, mm. and still to this day, like you walk into a school in America and there's metal detectors. Yeah. Um, because of the Columbine shooting. But the scary thing is there's been 413 mass shootings in the U S in 2019 alone, um, which took the death toll to over 4,000 people, which is like, it's inexcusable, inexcusable. Like we are making a huge deal. Obviously, uh, horrible how many people have died of the coronavirus, like six out over 6,000 people, but 4,000 people in one year from, from guns. Yeah. Like, Canada had, I think, one last mm. year and Australia had none. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, guys, what are you doing? Like, it's so blatantly obvious it's so that ob- there's an issue. It's just guns. Like, yeah. it's, it's it really is simple as that. comes down to, like, Americans being like, well, it's my right to bear arms. And, like, yeah. but at the end of the day, you don't need to bear a AK-47. No, you don't. Because you don't have to have the capability to murder five people in Absolutely a span of ten seconds. Absolutely not. Um. I think if you are a hunter or if you're a, you know, there's some sort of like valid, quote unquote valid, I shouldn't say valid because I don't agree with killing animals either. But if you have a more like legitimate reason to have Mm -hmm. a gun, then sure. But, you know, Karen. If there is a duty in your life that requires you to have a gun and it's of utmost importance, then of course, take a gun. But why on earth does every middle-aged person yeah. need to have a gun? They don't. You don't. Absolutely You don't not. need to have a gun. Like, when we went to America, um, in Austin, because we went to Texas, and mm-hmm. Austin's a great city, but um, it's open carry laws. Notorious so you can, for that stuff. You can literally walk around holding a pistol, and mm-hmm. it's fine. Yeah. Um, and Walmart, Kmart, sells yeah. guns and ammo. It's like... Yeah. That's to me. It's so baffling. Like I can't believe that's a thing. But they have them behind little cabinet. You just ask, like you know, in yeah. Australia, you're like we have to ask the Bunnings worker to get a fucking spray spray paint. <laughs> yeah, the same thing. But you're like, hey, can I get a fucking like a twenty two millimeter? Thanks yeah, so much. What the fuck? How's this happening? I don't, I don't understand. I like I. It literally does blow my mind. Same. I same. can't comprehend it. Neither can I. And maybe it's just because. We are from Australia, so to us, the idea of it is so incredibly foreign and yeah. so, so insane. But to, I, I just can't rationalise it no, being okay. any other way. It's no. so crazy. The fuck thing is as well, like, um, when Columbine happened, the day, one hour before it happened, um, obviously I don't want to get into politics, but I'm just going to mention this once and then if you're listening... Take it how you want. But an hour before Columbine happened, there was a bombing by the US in the Middle East that killed 345 people, including 100 children. Um, And so 
take it as you may. But in my opinion, I think that the US government cares more about white people and more about um, that than they actually care about humanity and people as a whole. I would agree. Because people in the Middle East are dying every single day. Yes. And we're just like, oh no, 14 people got shot in Columbine. Horrible. Mm. Sad. Terrifying, yes. actually. Yeah. But just because it happened in a Western place doesn't mean that doesn't happen every single day. Yes. And we're so like lucky and so um, privileged to like to be able to live in such a like country that we can walk around the street and feel safe. Yeah. So check your privilege. And I, I try and check my privilege like every day yeah, i try i do like i just try and be as aware of it as i possibly can yeah and so it's so important that doesn't take away um the people that died in columbine which i'll go through because i think it's important that we commemorate and talk about them so we have rachel scott who was 17 she was killed on the grass outside um the west entrance by eric harris daniel rawberg who was 15 killed at the bottom of the stairs leading to west entrance william david sanders who was 47 who was a teacher Shot in the hallway adjacent to the library by Eric Harris. Kyle Velasquez, who was 16, killed while he was sat on a chair near the middle of the North computer table in the library by Dylan. Stephen Kernow, uh, who was 14, killed at the west end of the South computer table in the library by Eric. Cassie Bernal, who was 17, killed under table 19 by Eric. Isaiah Scholes, who was 18, killed under table 16 by Eric. Matthew Ketcher, who was 16, killed under table 16 of the library by Dylan. Lauren Townsend, who was 18, she was killed under table 2 uh, in the library by Dylan Klebold. Um, John Tomlin, who was 16, killed next to table 6 of the library by Dylan after being already wounded by Eric. Kelly Fleming, 16, killed next to table 2 by Eric. Dylan Daniel Morsa, 15, killed under table 9 by Eric. Corey Deputa, 17, Killed under table 14 by both shooters. Eric Harris, 18, suicide next to the bookshelf at the southwest corner of the library. And Dylan Klebold, 17, suicide next to the bookshelf. Absolutely horrific. Honestly, Columbine was like, I remember hearing about it when I was like 16, maybe 15. Mm -hmm. And um, seeing the footage, like the notorious like cafeteria um, CCTV footage. And it like has stayed with me for so long. I find... um, um, mass shooting is really like terrifying yeah because not only do like is everybody at the mercy of one person who has this weapon of mass murder but also the fact that like people have just lost their lives so quickly yeah it's like all of those people who died who were just listed then all had birthday parties all had parents all had like well i assume they all had parents um which i shouldn't assume but also you know had like memories and like love and like in an instant, because one or, or two people decided to get their hands on something that is not, that shouldn't be legal, in my mm. opinion. I don't know. It just infuriates me. It's truly horrifying to be in their position to think that they woke up that day, got ready. To go to school. Went to school. Yeah. And within a few hours, they were gone. Literally. Yeah. And they the parents, were- like the parents who trust, um, not only the school system, but also like the government to keep their children and themselves mm-hmm. safe failed them in the sense that these two boys could get their hands on um, 
on these weapons. A and multitude of weapons. A multitude. Of, these two boys, like high school, is very very hard, right? Like I don't know anybody who anybody who says high school is easy. Like, congratulations. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm happy, happy for you. you. Congrats. But for anybody who's gay or queer or a person of color, I assume anybody who is like different, um, it was fucking hard. Yeah. And like, so I get that these boys like were struggling with mental health. Yeah. Uh, get that they rebelling in their own way mm. but in no way should they be able to buy a gun behind the pizza shop or when they turn 18 buy some extra bullets yeah. like when i when we're 18 we fucking get a goon bag and go put on a clothesline and spin it around and fucking get fucked up exactly you know what i mean like exactly. we didn't go buy oh hey we're gonna go buy some fucking guns hey you fucking 18 year old <laughs> imagine putting like un, un like undoing a present unwrapping a present undoing unwrapping a present and it's like a handgun yeah like yes mama shooting the fucking roof yeah like (laughs) just insane it's oh my god anyway Anyway, fuck the guns fuck school shootings fuck the whole thing let's like let's just not do it please destroy all the guns in Australia we got rid of all the guns after one mass shooting we're like nah sorry guys you had your chance Mm -hmm. fucked up bring them Mm -hmm. back you can't imagine like what if it happened. What could have happened again if we still had that many guns? Yeah, in Australia, it kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? I, I, I just don't even know how we would react as a country if that was to happen again. No, I don't have- because the thought of it is so absurd. And in so Australia. exactly, it's so like not like it just wouldn't happen here. And yeah. if it did, it would be such a huge thing. And the sick thing is. For America, from our point of view, a school shooting, absolutely horrific. Mm. But for them, it's normalised. Yeah, scary. It's weird. Just another one. Of course it's horrific. Yeah. But they literally think of it as, oh my God, another one. Yeah. That is insane. Yeah, it is. Like, the one that really got me was the Sandy Hook one. The elementary, like little kids and the babies. And like, the fact that that happened still... It's happening. Like, it's still happening. And, like, kids were killed. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, to me, that's the scariest thing. And, like, this podcast mostly is about horror and, like, spooky stuff. But to me, scariest thing, one of the scariest things in the world are guns. Like, that just, guns freak me out and terrify me to no end. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so, look, that was a bit of a downer. It is. It was a good story. And one that I think is important to tell. It's, it, you know what, the thing about Columbine, it's absolutely devastating, but it is so important to tell. Definitely. And, you know, it has such a social impact. Mm. Like, you know, even the fact that I was 16, 17 in school. Yeah. And I did like a whole term of it. And English, you watched that documentary. And I watched the documentary. You know, it is, it was a massive thing. Of course, as you said, you know, things like that happen all the time all mm. around the world. And it's not as spoken about. And that is wrong. But... I think Columbine was so big because of the social impact that it had. Huge, yeah. And it was absolutely huge. And it it's so weird to me for just how huge it was. And then it's just still happening. Exactly. It's still happening. Yeah. And there's so many, like, cultural and racial implications of it as well. Like, yeah. if, you, if you guys get a chance, even though Michael Moore's a bit weird, um, who made the documentary, yeah. the documentary is super, like, insightful about yeah. gun laws and... Um, like, there's a scene where two boys who survived the shooting, one's now paralyzed from the waist down and one still has the bullet lodged in his heart and they can't remove it because it's mm-hmm. too... Um, if they pull it out, he will die. Yeah. Um, 
they went to the headquarters of Kmart where the bullets were purchased from and they returned the bullets that yeah. they were shot by and they yeah. said, hey, these are the bullets that we got shot by. I asked them to return them and get a refund, um, which is like so cheeky and like so brave. And, yeah, of um, course. That's the kind of documentary it is. It's very tongue-in-cheek. They, yeah. Like Michael Moore talks to um, the head of the NRA, which is the National Rifle Association, yeah. He actually spoke at Columbine a week after the shooting, um, held his rifle high and said, out of my dead arms, saying, like, you'll never take my guns away. Um, people cheered him on. It was insane. I couldn't wow. believe it. But, yeah, watch that. Bowling Columbine. It's online. You can get it for, like, $2 to yeah. rent. And it's very fucking good. Yeah. Um, but, Rewardy Blah. Yes. Thank you so much. Of course. No worries. Did you have fun? I did. I know it's a lot of talking, but. No, no, no. I love it. Thank God. I mean, of course, we're discussing really sad, very <laughs> horrifying, horrifying stuff. Yeah. But it is. No, it's good. Thanks. It was really good. Thanks so much. I love the podcast life. Honestly, thank God. Well, <laughs> if you um, if you want to come back, let me know. Oh, my God. Um, literally, I will come back as many times as you want. If you ever, like, hear of any, like, spooky stuff that you wouldn't be like, oh, my God, that would be so interesting on the podcast, just send it to me because I would love to of hear course. it. Of course. Thank God. Um, and anybody listening... If you ever hear of anything either as well, please let me know um, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, I think. I don't use Twitter, so don't You have bother. a Twitter for it? I don't even use it. Oh, okay. Um, I love Twitter. Oh, who doesn't? Oh, I love Twitter. <laughs> a little bit of Twitter. A little bit, <laughs> a little bit of a tweet. Twitter. A little bit of tweet. A little bit of tweet. Um, but thank you again, Mitchell and Ruby, and um, I really appreciate it. Of course, no and worries. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening, everybody. I'll see you next week. Um, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Adios. I was going to try and say something in another language, but I can't even... I can't think of anything. What else is there? I was going to say bonjour, that's hello. I think it means goodbye as well. Maybe not. Au revoir. That's what it is. Au revoir. (laughs) 